0: Hi, welcome to Bookie, which unlock big ideas from world bestsellers in audio, text, and mind map. Please download Bookie at Apple Store or Google Play with more features, get your free mind snack now. Today we will unlock the book A Distant Mirror, The Calamitous 14th Century. Speaking of Europe in the 14th century, people often think of the plague, insurrections, schism in the church, and other negative labels. For the most part, it was a time of violence, misery, and suffering, as well as darkness and chaos. People tend to use the word dark to describe it, but this is inherently biased and too generic. That's why we need a guide who can give us a closer look at this period in history so we can better understand it. After a painstaking search through history, the author of this book found us a fitting guide. Born in 1340 and having passed away in 1397, our protagonist came from a prestigious family. He had high social status as he participated and served as commander-in-chief in many key battles. He was also politically savvy, playing a very active and major role in the times he lived in. He was in Guerin de Kusi VII, also known as the Sire de Kusi. In this bookie, we'll hear the legendary life story of Kusi and closely examine the religion, politics, culture and social life of that time. We'll see how the fate of an individual could be impacted by major historical events such as the plague, the Hundred Years' War, the corruption of the papacy, and the rise of the Ottoman Turks. We'll learn about the sire de Cousy's legendary life story through the following three parts. Part 1 – Kusi's Background, A Prominent European Noble Family Part 2 – The Rise of Kusi How Turbulent Times Shaped Him Part 3 – The Fall of Kusi, Schism in the Church and the Crusades Part One: Cousy's Background, a Prominent European Noble Family. Let's start with Cousy's family background first. To put it simply, he was born into a centuries-old French noble family with a vast territory to its name. In 975, the Archbishop of Reims ceded the fief to the first Lord of Cousy, hence the Cousy family was established. Their earliest recorded activity dates back to 1059, when they built an abbey at the foot of the hill and provided it with financial support. In 1340 in Garin de Cousy VII, the last of the Cousys and our protagonist, was born. By then, the Cousys had become a powerful dynasty with three centuries of development on its shoulders. It was one of the four great baronies of France. They described their glory and strength as such, not king nor prince, duke nor count am I, I am the lord of Cousy. So, how powerful were the Cousys in fact? The castle of Cousy, built in the name of the great Enguerrand de the III, sat on a hilltop in Picardy. It was a magnificent structure with a central citadel, corner towers, fortification walls and an underground network. The central citadel was higher than the royal tower of the Louvre, and was capable of housing 1,000 men in a siege. It was the largest of its kind in Europe, the castle compound enclosed an area of more than two acres, or nearly 10,000 square meters. Visitors of the majestic castle would easily feel awe-inspired, just like those who first set their eyes on the pyramids. Outside the compound there was also a walled area of about six acres, containing stables and other service buildings, a tilt-yard, and pasture for the knights' horses. If needed, the Kusis could assemble as many as 1,200 to 1,500 heavily armored knights at a moment's notice. The Kusis' land was called the Golden Valley. Irrigated by the Ailette River, the land was fertile with grain and vineyards and encompassed a forest of over 7,000 acres. Picardy, where the Cousy's land was located, was known as one of the keys of the kingdom. Reaching almost to Flanders, the center of commerce and trade, in the north and to the English Channel and borders of Normandy in the west, Picardy was the main thoroughfare of northern France. In the 12th and 13th centuries, the lords of Cousy would even coin their own money, thus demonstrating their power. One important way for the Kusis to accumulate such wealth and power was through marriage. In medieval Europe, marriage was always a diplomatic affair. Nobles used it to establish international relations, build alliances, expand their territory and gain sovereignty. The Kusi family was no exception. In 1338, our protagonist's father Engerrand VI married Catherine of Austria, the daughter of Duke Leopold I from the Habsburgs of Austria. This marriage was more than a private affair between the two families as it was arranged by Philip VI, the King of France. Two treaties were even drawn up between the King of France and the Duke of Austria for this purpose. Duke Leopold promised to give his daughter a dowry of 40,000 livres, while King Philip assigned an annuity of 2,000 livres from the royal treasury to her and her children, as well as 20,000 livres worth in property to Ingaren VI. The livre was the currency in use then, and the annual tax revenue of an estate the size of Cousy would have been in the range of 5,000 to 6,000 livres. So the dowry was undoubtedly generous. In return Enguerrand VI vowed to serve the French royal family and defend their nation, leading his vassals to join the royal army against foreign invasions. Ideally, the medieval political structure was a contract exchanging service for loyalty, so lords didn't necessarily need to serve the king unless they saw potential profits. This allowed them to enjoy great autonomy. Now you may think Ngaran de Cousy VII was a man born with a silver spoon in his mouth. However, he was born in a time of turmoil, endless war, plagues, famine, a corrupt church and emerging bourgeois revolts. He also lost his parents to war and disease. Let's talk about the issue of war first. The Hundred Years' War was the result of a mixture of political, economic and psychological factors. Both kingdoms of England and France had been holding an increasingly aggravating grudge over the ownership of Aquitaine. For two centuries, every king of France had tried to take this land back without success. By Philip VI's time, war was imminent. To justify the conflict, Edward III, the king of England, announced himself the rightful king of France. The claim was not entirely unfounded, as Edward III's grandfather was Philip IV, the previous king of France. According to the order of succession, after the death of Philip IV, the crown should have been inherited by his three sons. As his heirs died one after another, the title should have been passed down to his grandson, Edward III. But France certainly didn't agree to handing the crown over to England, so they bestowed it upon Philip IV's nephew, Philip VI. At the time, France was the most powerful kingdom in Europe, and England was barely comparable. In terms of population alone, France had over 20 million people while England had just over 4 million. However, the possession of Aquitaine and their alliance with Flanders gave Edward III two footholds at the borders of France. He thought he could challenge France, and the two kingdoms were never in peace thereafter. In 1346, when Arcusi was seven years old, his father Ingerin VI died in a battle against the English forces. Two years later, his mother Catherine remarried. Unfortunately, just one year later, she and her husband both died of the plague. Known as the Black Death, this disease swept through Europe. It was a bubonic plague spread by contact and respiratory infection. The speed of contagion was extremely fast, and the death rate very high. Rumors told of people who went to bed feeling fine but died before daybreak, and doctors who visited the sick at their bedside yet died before their patients. Nearly 20 million people died of the plague, which made up about one-third of the European population. Bodies were everywhere, on the road, in the fields, and in the house. There were reports everywhere that people died so fast and in such large numbers that there was not enough time to bury them. Death's sides sliced through all of Europe indiscriminately. Therefore, Cousy became an orphan. Still, he was raised into a young man with chivalry. In the Middle Ages, chivalry was an important theme in every noble boy's upbringing. From an early age, they were required to learn the three core subjects of riding, fighting, and falconry, as well as chess, singing, dancing, playing musical instruments, and other seemingly romantic skills. By the age of 14 or 15, they would receive further training to strengthen their combat skills. For example, they would practice how to pierce dummies with spears, use swords and other lethal weapons, and learn the rules of jousting. Chivalry dominated every aspect of noble life and was regarded as the universal rule for all Christian knights. According to chivalry, all knights were brothers, and they should always be prepared to shed your blood for your brethren. Sworn loyalty was its backbone. In addition to prowess, loyalty and honor, courtesy, the kind of behavior that has since come to be called chivalrous, was also indispensable. Moreover, generosity and hospitality were also manifestations of this characteristic. In addition to the influence of the social environment at the time, Catherine had also invested a considerable amount in Cousy's education, wishing him to excel in art, writing and science. She often reminded him not to forget his ancestors' virtues and honorable reputation. So thanks to the social environment and the influence of his family, Cousy became a chivalrous young nobleman. That concludes the first part. We learned that Coussie was born to a 14th-century French noble family. His family had a distinguished background, but he was born in a calamitous time. War and plague left him an orphan at a young age. He was taught chivalry, which nurtured his mind and became the code of conduct he abided by throughout his life. Today we are just sharing limited content. To unlock more key insights of world-class bestseller please download our app. Just search for B-O-O-K-E-Y at Apple Store or Google Play, get your free mind snack now.